welcome to Franchise Paradiso. This is a podcast for lovers of film franchises. And while we all wish more original content was being made, we cannot control the major Hollywood studios any more than we can control the weather. So we will revel in what we are force-fed and dissect our beloved cinematic franchises as best we can. My name is Heath Lynch, and I am here with the amazing Foster Harlfinger. Hey, everybody. And the spectacular Rowan Wood. Too tired to think of a clever intro. <laughs> and we are here today to do our first franchise retrospective. So this is a new type of episode. We're breaking things up because, well, tomorrow, as of the release of this episode, is Halloween. So happy mm-hmm. Halloween. I hope everyone's been enjoying spooky season, uh, being able to watch their favorite horror movies. Um, and we thought this was a perfect time to do our first retrospective. And that's because we are going to do a horror retrospective. I know that we've been in our season proper doing horror for the past uh, several weeks, and we will continue to do, th- to do that for weeks to come. But this just seemed the opportune moment, and uh, we will be doing a retrospective on the Halloween franchise. How this is going to work, quite simply, is we're going to go through every single movie in the franchise and the release order, the order in which these films debuted, were produced and released to us to view. And then at the end of the episode, after we give a five, ten minutes to each movie to kind of talk about, dissect, say what we like, what we didn't like, what we hated, what we loved, we are going to move on to our ranking, our trademark of our podcast, where we get to argue, debate, and tell each other we're wrong and try to find a collaborative way to rank all the films in this franchise as best we can, counting them down from the worst to the best. But before we do all of that, before we jump into our thoughts, if you like what you hear today and you're interested in following any of us, we're going to do some quick plug-in so you could find us outside of this. Foster, where can people find you? Uh, so the best place to find me is just letterboxd at F-O-S-T-H-1-0-1. Rowan? Um, you could find me letterboxd and Instagram at rowan.a.boat and uh, Twitter slash X uh, at Bits of Joel. And you can find me on letterboxd as well. Search the one Heath Bar or Heath Lynch. I believe either one should be able to find me. Uh, as well, you can also follow the podcast, uh, Franchise Paradiso is on Instagram at Franchise Paradiso, or if you even have some questions or comments, you want to get a hold of us via email, you can do that at FranchiseParadiso at gmail.com. All right, so let's just kind of jump into it. We're going to start here talk, going over all of the uh, franchise goodness that is Halloween with the much-beloved original film from 1978, John Carpenter's masterpiece, Halloween. Rowan Foster, what do we think about Halloween? I mean, what more can you say about not only one of the greatest movies of all time, but one of the greatest horror Well, okay, I should have swapped those. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I've seen this many times i actually watched it for the first time relatively recently like within the past few years and um i was approaching it sorry i was approaching it uh from a place of like wondering what the what the fuss like what the big fuss was about because i i 
knew that it would probably be a great movie, but one of the greatest movies and horror movies of all time. I mean, come on, like that seems like a super high bar, but Halloween in, invented the modern horror movie essentially, or it, it, and it established the template um, for what horror filmmakers have been trying to replicate ever since. Um, and that very few movies accomplish on the scale that Halloween did. It's, 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 it's tense. It's scary. It has like minimal lore and yet it inspired a whole series worth of like batshit insanity. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's simple and to the point, And that's mostly why it succeeds. It doesn't, um, bother getting bogged down in specifics. Uh, it just goes for it and is all the better. Uh, I mean, yeah, agreed completely. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's probably like a top three horror movie for me. Um, I think sometimes when people watch it for the first time and myself included, you see it and you're like, this is it. Cause it's kind of like deceptively simple. It's like, there's not really too much to the plot. Um, it's just this guy wandering around a suburb, you know, stalking Laurie Strode. And that's pretty much the whole movie. And it's only an hour and a half. And um there's no huge like wild over-the-top scenes like you might find in texas chainsaw massacre or anything like that it's just um it is deceptively simple but i do think it's very scary and it's one of those movies that kind of you know sinks into your being a little bit like once you see it you can't not remember it when you're just walking down a street you know late at night for instance and you just hear like the synthesizer score in the back of your head and you're like you know what if there's a man <laughs> standing behind that bush or that tree over there um but maybe that's just me uh of course this introduced us to jamie lee curtis which is awesome and i don't know i just really enjoy this movie for me it's mostly like about the fall atmosphere too the vibes the score everything i just like the feeling of it so it's one of my favorites yeah i i think we're all in agreement here. This, I mean, it's just a masterpiece, right? I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other way to describe it. You know, there is one complaint that I say I hear more often as more and more time goes by. And that complaint simply is, is oh, it's just, it's kind of tropey or like it, it, it's kind of predictable. It doesn't do anything inventive. And when people say this, I just want to grab them by the shoulders and shake the shit out of them <laughs> and just be like, yes, but you understand that that's because this invented much of these <laughs> tropes and stereotypes. Like you're basing your analysis on, as we record this, what we know of film knowledge in 2023 versus when this was made in 1978 is not a fair comparison. And that has to be taken into account you were talking what is that 45 years you know like th there's a discernible difference in the way films are made and our knowledge of films from a writing and directing standpoint that th this was one of the first not the very first you know slasher icons didn't start here the texas chainsaw massacre the original one came out several years before this and it's even that wasn't the first you know real horror movie but these are the ones that we would say kind of defined the genre that made it mainstream and so successful. And so when we see the killer POV camera that Carpenter loved to use for Michael, and we hear that original score that with the synthesizer, 
that Carpenter wielded to just put the audience on edge throughout this film. All of these things just make this movie tremendous to me. I can't not watch this and just kind of be in awe that they were able to accomplish this. And not just able to accomplish this, but able to accomplish this on the budget they had in 1978 and keep it all compact in a svelte 91-minute runtime, which I can't understate that enough. That is a big reason why this movie succeeds. It comes in, it establishes its premise, it executes on it, it breeds terror and horror, and then it gets out before you can start to pick it apart too much or you get bored with it or whatever. And for all of these reasons and the reasons you guys mentioned, I I, I just think it's a masterpiece, uh, especially uh, we mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis earlier, but I also wanted to mention Donald Pleasance, I think is absolutely fantastic as Sam Loomis, who actually, at least through the original run before they got to H2O, he was probably the most constant figure in this franchise, even beyond Jamie Lee Curtis. So uh, it was his series and Michael's series more than it was Jamie's series. It's only in the past 20 years that we would say this has become Jamie's franchise. Um, so, yeah, I love Halloween. Rowan Foster sounds like you guys love it as well. Do mm-hmm. Would we recommend this one? I think that's a definitive yes. We're yes. all on board. Yep, of course. Definitely. Moving on then. We are going just a few years later to 1981's Halloween 2. This one directed by Rick Rosenthal. What do we think of Halloween 2? Foster, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. I like this one a lot. Uh, I've only seen it once, but I think it maintains the same tone and atmosphere from the first one pretty well, actually. Um, I like the way it's shot. It's got a lot of those, you know, wide shots where you see, especially now that we're in the hospital setting, like the long hallways and everything. Um, I think it's interesting that it takes place pretty much immediately after the first one, if I'm remembering correctly, like it's in the same night, right? Yes. It's just like yeah. a, an hour or so later, <laughs> which I guess what a night for Laurie Strode. <laughs> um, I don't love, I mean, we're going full spoilers for these, I assume. Yeah, I, I probably should have prefaced that at the top. Uh, full spoiler warning for these movies that are forty years old, <laughs> and really, yeah. the, and and really all of them. Uh, even Halloween ends, even though that just came out, uh, what last year was that? Um, yeah, or was that two two years ago? Um, but uh, we we will be spoiling a little little bits in here. We're probably not going to go into every single plot detail, but uh, anything is up for air, up in the air for conversation. Yes, go ahead. So I think this is the one that introduces the idea that Lori and Michael are brother and sister, which That's correct. Yep. is kind of kind of silly because <laughs> yep. like there's nothing in the original movie that even remotely hints at that. That <laughs> is a wild turn. Only like one sequel in. Um, and I don't so I don't love that. I also feel like we didn't really get to know uh, Lori Strode all that much better than we did in the first movie. So it didn't really expand in that way. But again, it's the tone, it's the atmosphere, it's the the way the movie's shot and the score and everything. I still find it a really fun one. And it's definitely, I think, one of the better sequels, especially when you look at it like after the fact, after having seen all the other sequels, this one definitely rises to the top of the pile for me at least. And um, though I have only seen it once, it's definitely one that I would not skip if I were doing a franchise rewatch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I personally don't think this movie is, is anything special. Um, however, it is 
majorly amazing compared to a lot of the sequels. Um, it, it it tries its best to continue uh, the tone from the first movie, but it's 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 this ridiculously hard tone to capture, and so it's not going to do it perfectly. But I think it does it well enough. Uh, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is still great. Um, and uh, I do love the idea of, um, quote-unquote, like big quote-unquote here, but killing Michael off at the end. Um, I think that was like a big, bold swing in a franchise that will have so many big, bold swings, bigger and bolder swings later on. Um, and so uh, to kill Michael in what uh, could be a, a a a franchise, and I know the history behind it, but um, it, it, it just seems like, a, especially retroactively, kind of a crazy decision um, on the studio's part. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I I like this movie fine. Uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's it's just it sort of exists for me. Yeah, I'm actually kind of more in that boat. Uh, I'm. It's funny, Foster. You mentioned uh, the the tone and atmosphere and how this kind of continues to breed on that tension. I do agree that there are certain shots um, in the ho- hospital that kind of establish that sense from the first film. But I, I actually notice the lack of John Carpenter in this experience. Um, I feel like a lot of the dread has been removed from this one. Uh, it just something about the way the camera is capturing things, especially because surprisingly, a lot of the kills in this one happen off screen. Um, and the kills that we get aren't the traditional Michael type of kills. Not that there's necessarily a bad thing, but like as fun as it is seeing people burnt up in a hot tub, uh, it just doesn't feel it. That feels a lot more like a Jason kill than a Michael kill to me. Um, and it's just the stuff like that always kind of felt weird about this movie. It just, it, it felt like it was missing something. A large pot, part of that is probably because Jamie Lee Curtis spends about half the movie lying in a hospital bed. Um, so we're just waiting kind of quote unquote, waiting for something to happen with Jamie for Michael to get to her. Um, but with that said, I still actually like the expansion of the lore. I'm kind of a, an advocate of if you don't do anything to expand the lore and drive the story forward, then I don't understand the point of a horror sequel. Uh, if it's just going to be more of the killer doing killings, uh, I, okay, I guess, but that's not interesting or entertaining to me. I want a, a narrative purpose to be there. And even though I I agree, I kind of just don't care for the Lori being a sister of Michael thing, but at least they're trying. Uh, I'll give them credit for taking a swing at it. This is also the one where they introduced um, him being linked to the Samhain cult, the occult, if I remember correctly, and trying to explain why he's immortal and he can't die. I, I think this is the first one to do that. So I appreciate those aspects of it. Um, there are some fun moments The again, seeing Donald Pleasance coming back here and doing a confrontation. If I remember correctly at the end, like the hospital explodes or something like that. So that was fun. Uh, there are moments that I enjoy. Uh, so I'm not saying that this is a bad movie. I definitely don't think it's a bad movie. I just, I'm kind of indifferent to it. Um, but Foster, I completely agree with what you said earlier that by comparison to the rest of the sequels, this one shines very brightly. Uh, even if I'm indifferent to it on it uh, in a vacuum, uh, taking a step back and looking at the grander scope of the franchise, 
this one is one of the betters. So uh, what do we think? Do we recommend this one? Are we indifferent to it or we don't Mm. recommend? I'm more indifferent to it, but I could go like a slight recommend. I recommend it. Based on hearing you two talk, I like it a lot more than you two. So I would recommend it. I'm actually going to agree with recommend it because although I'm personally indifferent to it, I think because of its place in the grander scheme of the franchise and especially compared to the quality of the grander scheme of the franchise, I think this one is definitely worth seeing, especially because that brother sister thing will come up in later franchises or spinoffs or remakes. And it's nice to see that origin here and understand where that's coming from. So Mm -hmm. uh, I agree. I think this is a recommend. All right, we're going to move on then. That puts us to Halloween <laughs> 3, Season of the Witch. Came, coming out just one year later in 1982, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. This is the attempt to turn this franchise into an anthology, doing away with Michael Myers and giving us a god-awful, annoying commercial that we have to hear the <laughs> damn jingle <laughs> 50,000 times throughout this movie. I'm maybe tipping my hat as to how I feel about this film. But why don't one of you guys tell me, how do we feel about Season of the Witch? I kind of like it a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really like the fact that, they're, th- that they went full anthology. And I love how absolutely um like like this could not be more different than the first two movies in like in 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 content the tone is all over the place there are robots there are children's heads like getting like turning into mush and melding with their masks it is <clears throat> absolutely crazy and again with the big swings i really respect the big swings uh that are that are happening here um it's just so weird and and strange and a departure from the first two movies, uh, and that's totally my jam. Uh, I'm 100% on board with this take. I also really, really like this movie. Um, and not even ironically, like I think this is actually a pretty, pretty good 80s horror movie. Obviously, it has nothing to do with the main Halloween franchise, aside from like a quick little nod, I think, in one scene. But... Uh, I think if you sort of distance it from the rest of the franchise and just look at it on its own, like it would totally have been just like a, a cult classic individual horror movie if it were on its own. And it's kind of gotten that reputation anyways. Uh, I think the I think the way it's shot is great. The music is great. That to me is like a mainstay of the franchise that I just like the feeling and the tone of this whole series for the most part um, with a couple exceptions. But uh, I really like the you know, small town with a dark secret type of energy. That's just a fun trope for me, at least. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this one does it pretty well. So I will try not to rant, <laughs> but I do not like this movie at all. But it's actually not because of what you might su- suspect that I'm like a, a Michael Myers purist or something. I actually love that they wanted to turn this into an anthology. I think that's brilliant. I just think that this movie is awfully executed i do not care for this narrative this story at all in theory i should say uh i care for it but that's because of just how bad they did it i think the the concept of some crazy people mind controlling people with masks uh 
setting curses on people. I love how it ties in still kind of to the Michael story because it's still the, the occult of Sondheim. Uh, we, although I don't know exactly know how it works because we literally see them watching the movie Halloween in this movie. So the cult of Sondheim exists in the Halloween one and two timeline, but it also exists in this, even though Halloween one is a movie in this universe, but that's besides the point. Um, I, I don't understand why they make some of the decisions that they make in this movie. Namely the biggest one being this movie ends without an ending. Um, it just doesn't give us the actual resolution. It just shows one horrific event and then essentially cuts to black. And that's not where this story should end. I want to see what the massive implications is of of releasing this song and everything through the television like we see the 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 broadcast go out and we don't see the ramifications of that at all like i just an astoundingly stupid decision in my mind i i can't believe that they did that um i also don't really care for the fact that the movie tries to force like this romantic relationship through a vast majority of the runtime which I don't know that it really pertains to anything that's going on. I see that they're trying to make us invested in the characters and give us a subplot to relate to for these characters to drive more audience investment. Like I understand the purpose of it, but I just don't think it works entirely, especially because it's so thematically divergent from what is going on with the masks in this factory. Um, it just, this movie seems really lost to me. They just, it feels like they had so many ideas and they wanted to throw them together and stir them in a stew. And they tried to come out with a masterpiece and it's just garbage to me. Uh, and again, nothing against the anthology setting. I think that's genuinely great. I just, I just think that this movie is really poorly executed. And if I could go the rest of my life never hearing that commercial jingle again, that would be great. I genuinely hate that song at this point. I, I in all sincerity, not, not being hyperbolic, I'm pretty sure that they play that thing like close to 30 times in the movie, which is just insane. <laughs> um, so I am going to go with a not recommend on this one, especially because in the grand scheme, since they didn't continue with the anthology, this has no relevance to the rest of the franchise in any way, shape or form. But I feel like you guys are going to come at me saying that you guys would recommend this one. Am I correct? Yeah, I would yes. recommend it. Should right. we uh, cut the difference and go indifferent? I, I am willing to cut the difference and say that I would be indifferent on this one. <laughs> okay. All cool. right. Moving on. Uh, they decide, oh, well, that didn't work. People hated that because, again, to clarify, at the time, people hated Season of the Witch. It's gotten a reevaluation in the decades since that people started to appreciate it. But at the time, people hated it. So very quickly, they were like, all right, well, we're going to do away with that. I say very quickly. It was actually six years later that they came out with their next movie. In 1988, Halloween <laughs> 4, The Return of Michael Myers. I think they recognized that they needed to right the ship because what they were doing wasn't working. This was directed by Dwight H. Little. What do we feel about the return of Michael Myers? Hmm. So, I, oh, go ahead, Ron. You start. sorry? I was about to say I don't have that much to say about this movie. Uh, I am entirely indifferent to its existence. Uh, I think it's 
fine. I like Daniel Harris. Uh, it's good to see Michael back. Um, that is really it for me. Um, this is one of those ones that I didn't love too much when I first saw it, but then in retrospect, after having watched some of the even worse sequels, I'm like, no, this one had a few things going for it. I think when I first watched it, I was really put off by the like huge change in style, because even if two and three are not John Carpenter, they still are emulating his, you know, tone and way of shooting. But this one to me was the first one that was just not trying to be like a John Carpenter movie, just in the in the cinematography um however you know like even like just watching clips of it you know before this episode again i just do i do like the way this movie looks i think it was just kind of a jarring change for me the first time around uh for like hardcore fans of the halloween franchise they always talk about the opening credits of this movie because it's just like the most fall halloweeny thing you can imagine just like leaves crunching and wind blowing and the the atmosphere and the weather and everything it's just perfect and then it leads right into the michael being transported into the ambulance and there's this like great little dutch angle shooting upward and the rain pouring down it's like it's a great vibe this this movie for for some portions of it uh the story is sort of what it is Uh, I also like Danielle Harris, although I think I probably actually like her performance better in five than in four, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, it's not my favorite, but I do, uh, we do. We have to, again, just shout out Donald Pleasance, who really makes these watchable yes. because he he is uh, like more insane than Michael, I think, <laughs> for a good part <laughs> of this franchise. Um, and I mean, he gets just like increasingly like mad scientist as these go on. And I think this is where it really starts to tip over into like, like this man is kind of insane. (laughs) So I enjoy that too. But yeah, this is like a middling sequel for me. I'm not going to lie. I've been completely distracted since you said the leaves crunching and the wind blowing because you actually (laughs) were also describing like the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh and (laughs) (laughs) completely divergent train of thought. I'm like, what if Pooh Bear's walking down the street and Michael Myers pops up behind the shrubbery? Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm also in agreement. I think this is going to be a slam dunk we're indifferent on. I, I think it's fine that they wanted to return to Michael, uh, given that Season of the Witch didn't work out for contemporary audiences. I actually would have been fine with them taking another swing at an anthology separate storyline. Again, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Maybe in a different universe it did, but not in ours. Uh, so this is just it's it's meh it's okay it, it we get back to kind of the slasher roots no more like snakes and insects crawling out of people's heads oh, um <laughs> although that those were some pretty gnarly effects in in season of the witch i will say um uh i i completely agree having donald pleasant's back is like at this point the heart the core of this franchise again jamie lee curtis is gone to that extent i i like kind of where they took the lore uh, i think that having Laurie Strode character die off screen is kind of a a bit silly. They probably could have recast that if they wanted to do that. Um, But I also understand them not wanting to do it without Jamie Lee Curtis. And by this point in 88, I mean, Jamie's star is huge. You know, she's way too big for this franchise. Uh, So I understand why she didn't come back. But having her daughter uh, be the through line, you know, like I said earlier, expanding the lore, finding a way to continue to do a narrative purpose to the story, I'm cool with that. Um, 
there's one thing you guys didn't mention though, and that's the twist at the end. And we have to talk mm. about this. Um, so Lori's daughter was, is it Danielle? What, what's the daughter's character? Uh, name? Jamie Lloyd. Danielle oh, Harris Jamie. plays her. Yeah. Her niece, <laughs> her niece, right? Not her daughter. Yeah. Uh, no, it's her no, daughter, it's, it's it's her daughter Michael's, Michael's niece. niece. Oh, it wait, is... I'm so sorry. My brain just left me. Sorry, continue what you're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been years. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at the end of this movie, she murders her foster parents, like outright murders them. And when I first saw this, I actually really, not that I want to see a child murder someone. <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm going to put that. <laughs> <laughs> that caveat big right asterisk <laughs> a big asterisk but like from a narrative perspective i liked where this was going because at this point you're now saying that this is circular that you know we've gone from michael at the beginning of the 78 halloween as a child murdering his sister and losing his mind and all of these things and now here we are years later and Lori Strode's daughter is now doing the same thing. And it's another level to the Sondheim occult curse and to the devastation of Haddonfield. Haddonfield, I'm sorry. And uh, and the things happening in this community and how it feels like it's inescapable. I really liked the premise of what was to come. Like what they could have done with Five. When we start talk about Five here in a, a minute or two, uh, will very quickly come to the fact that this wasn't the case. They didn't fulfill the promissory note that they delivered at the end of this film. And because of that, it actually makes me hate this film more because, and it's not necessarily this film's fault that the later film fucked it over so much, but it makes me hate this more because now here I am watching this on like a rewatch or something. I'm like, Oh yeah, this goes literally nowhere. And in fact, the way that they, excuse it in the next movie is just so stupid so i wanted to know what your guys' thoughts are about the twist about jamie killing her foster parents at the end of this movie what your thoughts were when you first saw this before seeing five and what your thoughts are now having seen five and knowing where the twist resolves what are what is your take on how this movie ends I kind of like the ending of four. I think it's fun and wacky and it's like <laughs> for a fourth movie in a horror franchise, you don't really want them to play it safe anymore. You want them to yeah. do something kind of ridiculous. Um, but for me, it doesn't make me hate four more that they don't do the follow through. It makes me hate five more um, because that's the one that had the burden of continuing that storyline, not four. That's fair. Rowan. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way um, to end this one especially having introduced uh the new character and with the now like with the new through line of the supernatural influence <clears throat> the fact that it's um now hinted to be you know some sort of like genetic uh ancestral you know urge or thing like i think that's a really fascinating idea and i agree with foster in that the it, it was the fifth one's responsibility to follow up on this and the fact that it didn't do that is not four's fault yeah and, th and that's totally fair i agree it is the fifth one's responsibility but that doesn't change the fact that now when i watch four like i'm just left with disappointment i like i see the good twist because i agree i think that twist was good and i'm just like ah like it's depressing i 
but yeah, it is totally five's fault. I, I absolutely agree in that regard. Mm-hmm. Just leaves a sour taste in my mouth with four. Yeah. But let's say uh, with all that said, uh, do we recommend this one? Are we not recommending? Are we indifferent? Sounded like we were kind of all indifferent. Is that where we're going to land? Yes. Yeah. All right. Indifferent. We are uh, moving on then the very next year in 1989 to Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. This one directed by, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I apologize. Dominique Othenin Girard. I did that right. I'm Sounds good to me. But uh, I love I it. Did it. <laughs> Thank, thanks. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> no, not encore. <laughs> no. Um, so, what did we think of the revenge of Michael Myers? For me, this is like the most nothing movie in the whole series. It's not the one I hate the most. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even hate this one. There's things I like in it. Um, like I kind of enjoy the climax at the end, actually, but. It's just like, I, I this one is just kind of boring. Like nothing happens for for a long stretches. I feel I will say Daniel Harris is great, um, and then we also have to give credit to the Halloween franchise for kind of introducing her because she's now like a horror mainstay. She's kind of an icon. Yeah. She like pops up in all sorts of low budget horror stuff, um, and. I don't know. This is the most forgettable one by far. This is. I mean, yes. we were talking before recording that four or five. Uh, kind of blend together in particular and a little bit into six although six is so 90s that it's easy for me to kind of separate that one i can differentiate parts of six but four and five feel like almost one it's they came out one year after each other they 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 feel like one movie yeah uh Mm -hmm. another thing that gets talked about with this one a lot is the like gothic looking uh recreation of michael's house uh at the end of this movie for some reason which is uh, pretty strange, but kind of fun. And there's uh, a pretty fun chase, I think, between Michael and uh, and Jamie in like a laundry shoot. I remember that scene being pretty tense. Um, and I do like, for, for instance, there's a scene in the middle of the movie, though, like a barnyard sequence where there's uh, like some kids. I, I think it's been a while since I saw it who are obviously about to get killed by Michael. And it goes on for what feels like 15 minutes for a scene that should be five minutes. I might have the numbers wrong, but it's just like, that's the, that's my main takeaway from this movie is like, could have been done in like half an hour <laughs> with the amount of plot that gets covered in this. That was my, my main feeling. Are you talking about the party scene? That's in the barnyard. I don't remember if there was a party. I just remember they were in a barn. <laughs> I, I, cause I remember I'm going to jump in. I know I normally go last, but I agree. There was this one part and I'm, I thought it was a party. I could be completely wrong, but there's this, or it might even not even have been a party, just like a trio of adults hanging out. So it probably was the barn scene and I clocked it. It goes for like 20 minutes and it's just like them doing nothing and like pretending to scare each other and doing jump scares. And yes. Like this is, we're talking about the same scene. The yeah, internet okay. says that it's a party. Okay. A farm at a barn. Yeah. (laughs) We're both right. Foster, we did it. We got there. Success. Incredible. Teamwork. Uh, Makes the dream work. Um, so yeah, and it's just like 20 minutes straight of them pretending to be Michael and pretending to jump scare each other. And all it sets up for me is like this weird boy who cried wolf scenario for the rest of the movie, where like I don't even I don't care anymore. Like it just and yeah, that com that scene completely takes me out. And and it even like highlights, <laughs> I put this in one of my reviews once, like 
this is why it's easy for Geico to make commercials about people being idiots in horror movies. Like <laughs> because of scenes like this and some of the stuff and things stuff they do and things they say. And it's just oh, it's it's a painful scene to get through. It's a slog. Uh and it's oh so bad. Rowan, what are your thoughts on this movie before I go back to mine? This movie can't decide on a tone. Uh there are like goofy cops that walk around with like weird clown music. <laughs> there is the man in black who appears for the first time who is in this movie i found out um without any like the the, the people making this movie had no idea how that how that plot thread was going to be resolved they just put a man in black in there to create an air of mystery um and we have michael killing people and and those three things just don't really feel like they should go together um but those are the only things i remember about this movie so <laughs> yeah the only other thing i'm going to mention is Again, this doesn't follow up on the promise of four, that promissory note that it leaves. Um, and I'm going to go back to the reason why. And and they and it blows my mind that they blame it on telepathy. <laughs> they say that Michael Myers telepathically inserted himself into his niece Jamie's mind and commanded her to murder her foster parents. And now, because they don't want to have this little girl being the next Michael Myers, and they want to completely do a whole new thing, they say, oh, no, that it was telepathy. And not only was it telepathy, uh, the parents aren't even dead. They're just, they're really badly injured. They're in the hospital. And all of a sudden now as well, um, little Jamie is a mute. She doesn't talk anymore. And it just, it feels like a plot contrivance just to make things more complicated just be like oh what is she trying to say and like trying to communicate with her and it feels like a a, a false way to add tension it, it's not earned at all especially when by the end of the movie she ends up talking just fine and like nothing really major happened to achieve that to unlock that ability within her again it just rings of fake story-driven nonsense that some studio exec put in or someone pushed through it doesn't ring true it it doesn't feel earned in any way and it's just a horrible resolution to what was a great promise at the end of four um but again because it's still the same character the movies came out in back-to-back -back years um and so everyone is relatively the same age it just makes four and five feel like a blur and it, uh, thank God Donald Pleasance is there. Let's just say that. Thank God, because he at least at times makes this watchable. But otherwise, this is just a, a bad movie. This is definitely one of the worst uh, films in the franchise. And I have it ranked fairly low on my personal ranking. So Agreed. I'm going to just take a stab at we all agree. Do we not recommend this one? Yeah. Are we on board? Yeah, this is the first one that I would not recommend. Also, just a funny because I have Letterboxd pulled up uh, on another tab as we're talking. This is just a great review. It's David Sims, who's like on blank check and writes for some something or other. Uh, the Atlantic. His, the Atlantic, yeah. Just <laughs> says, this is mostly just Donald Pleasance screaming at a small child. <laughs> That's the review. <laughs> and it's like, yep. <laughs> and, yeah, and yes, it is. You're not wrong. <laughs> yep. All right. So now we are moving. We, we are 90s now. We are six years later in 1995. Directed by Joe Chappelle, we have Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, a movie that is largely hated, but there is a cut that we'll be talking about that is 
largely appreciated. So let's get into it. We're going to break this up a little different instead of me going last. Rowan, you and I will go first because mm -hmm. we've seen the theatrical release of this film. And then yes. Foster, I want you to go off because you've also seen, it's, a, it's the producer's cut. That's what they call it? Yep. All right. So Rowan, what do you think of the theatrical release of The Curse of Michael Myers? Um, I, it, I think it's terrible. Uh, I, I think it's, it, none of it really makes sense. Um, we don't really get a ton of Michael. Uh, we just get a lot of culty stuff and mystery surrounding that, which is fine, but this is the Halloween franchise, which has been like the story revolves around Michael. And yet we don't really get a lot of him doing, um, what we love to see him doing um I, it is very fun to see paul rudd credited as paul stephen rudd here uh <laughs> doing doing his own thing and sort of like still figuring out who he is as an actor and like what his like acting style is going to be here um so that that is probably my favorite part um of this of this cut that we saw um i do Okay, I don't know if this is heretical to say, but I do think the Thorn stuff is interesting. I do not think it is executed very well at all. Um, yep. I personally find it My to be season very... season of the witch take, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I just find it to be very boring. Uh, and, like, they, it feels like they're barely scratching the surface of what they're trying to do when they could be, like, going all out. Um, and, uh, I do want to see the producer's cut at some point because I've heard a lot of, and I, I've seen videos about it and I've heard a lot of really good things, but yeah. Yeah. I am in the same, I, this movie is so conflicting to me. Um, on the one hand, I love the expansion of the lore and the curse of thorn and all of that, but I also agree that it's handled poorly. I love seeing Paul Rudd here because I love Paul. Who yeah. doesn't love <laughs> Paul Rudd? Let's be honest. And I actually love that it ties back into the original Halloween, that he's playing Tommy, the little boy that Laurie Strode babysat mm -hmm. in the very first 78 Halloween. I think that's a fun way that you can do like a legacy character because at first we don't know who he is. We find out later, you know, and like, that's interesting. Um, I also appreciate that this tries to be a slasher again in some ways because the last couple movies had gotten a little bit ridiculous with it. But at the same time, this movie is not scary, like, at all. Uh, it's, like, completely drained of horror at this point. We don't get this trademark stalking scenes. The point of view stuff is largely absent. It's all jump scares and audio screeches. Uh, if, again, kind of like I alluded to earlier with uh, the bathtub kill in Halloween 2. In some ways, it, these feel like Friday the 13th kills more than Halloween kills. Uh, I'm glad that we still have Donald Pleasance here. This is the last movie he's in, so let's make note of that. Uh, mm -hmm. Rest in peace, legend. Um, the the definitive Ernst Stavro Blofeld from James Bond, I will say. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it was great to have him as a rock in this series because he was the anchor that made this series work in so many ways. But he's also gone at this point. Uh, the cinematography here is like indiscernibly bad. Um <laughs> Uh, it's also very 90s in the sense that it's trying to infuse it with like grunge music, but they don't have the budget to get good grunge music. So it's just like crappy <laughs> background gr grunge music. Uh, I, there's just, it's very 90s, but not in a good way. Like a later Halloween 90s movie will mm -hmm. do, in my opinion. But this is, it's just, it's bad. I, I don't like this movie. Um, <laughs> so Foster, tell us 
why the producer's cut saves this picture because Rowan and I are very much against it. So it's worth saying that it's not like the producer's cut is a masterpiece. It's just that it fixes a lot of the things that were wrong with the theatrical cut. And therefore I like it a lot more. Um, it has been like a little bit since I've watched both of them, but I watched them like almost back to back one day after the other. And uh, so, so I watched the theatrical cut and I was thinking, wow, the editing is terrible. The score just doesn't sound right. The sound effects are weird. Like I just kept noticing, I kept noticing like thing after thing after thing. And like, I, I was just making like mental notes of like, like the baby crying when Paul Rudd like stumbles upon the baby and the, what is it he's at like a train station or something i don't even remember but like <laughs> I, I just remember hearing like the baby crying and being like that doesn't sound right you know like <laughs> thing after thing after thing and then watching the producer's cut and it was like every little thing that i had criticized in my head the previous day was fixed and it was like oh my gosh they fixed the st- stupid baby crying sound effect a little bit and the score is now using the carpenter score again and uh the editing doesn't have those like 90s like whoosh sound effects like every time they cut away to some new scene you know (laughs) and it's like every little thing was fixed and it actually felt like a movie rather than like a music video and Mm -hmm. I just was like I can't believe like the same scenes that I was watching yesterday and laughing at because of how stupid they were I'm actually watching them as if they're a real movie scene now it was just crazy it was a wild experience I really actually recommend watching both of them like back to back because it was kind of a cool like education almost as to what makes movies work or not work um and then rowan like you were saying about the cult of thorns storyline uh i don't hate it either i don't love it but it's kind of interesting again like six movies in you want them to go a little wild with it uh Mm -hmm. the producer's cut leans into that storyline and the entire last 20 minutes is a completely different scene sequence of uh in the in the theatrical cut it's like oh it's just completely different so it's not even like a re-edit not at all. No, no, no. Completely different. It's the the theatrical is a hospital massacre scene. And yeah. then in the producer's cut, it dives heavy into the Cult of Thorn storyline. And so I I kind of like the idea of the hospital massacre, but the like Cult of Thorn ending of the producer's cut is just much better executed. But again, if you don't like that storyline, you're not going to like this movie necessarily. But uh, I have to say, last thing, <laughs> I just have so many thoughts about this. No, one. Like I like no, it a lot, weirdly. I think the atmosphere of six is maybe, maybe like top three as far as the atmosphere goes in this franchise for me. Just the, uh, I, I'm just remembering like there's some nighttime sort of Halloweeny festival stuff going on. There's a sequence in the middle of the movie and there's like these orange pumpkin lights that are hung up. It's dark, it's nighttime. Again, the crunchy leaves, the wind, that sort of thing. This movie, to me, nails the fall Halloween vibes better than most of the other sequels. And I think in the theatrical cut, it's really hard to appreciate because the editing is trash. In the producer's (laughs) cut, it's like actually flows and is cohesive and you can really live in it. And I just really like the feeling of this movie. I'm a feeling person, if you can't tell (laughs) throughout this podcast. Like that's how I experience movies. Like plot honestly is like the last thing on the list for me. So like the feeling I get from this movie, I just enjoy it. And so that's why it's going to rank weirdly high for me. But I rest my case. I'll shut up about 
Halloween oh, six. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely want to watch the producer's cut someday. It's just working up the willpower. It's not that I don't believe you, but I know. I think that... you're going to hate it. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. I don't the, know if the, it's for you. The thing is, like, I want to see it, but I know myself well enough to know that I would want to do like what you suggested is watch them back to back. So at bare minimum, I'm also watching the theatrical cut again. Yeah. And I have to just work up the willpower to do it. I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> So I think this one, we we won't come to a consensus on the film as a whole because we're going to do this as two different cuts. I think we all unanimously agree. The theatrical cut, we don't recommend. Is that pretty unanimous? Yeah. All right. Yes. So the theatrical cut, no. The producer's cut. Foster, what is your take on the producer's cut? Recommend, don't recommend, or indifferent? It's so complicated because I think if you just watch it on its own, you probably won't enjoy it. I'm like, spe I'm specifically recommending like a back to back viewing just so you can compare because that's the okay. fascinating thing. So in a vacuum, you would even still maybe say don't recommend or at least indifferent. But, indifferent, maybe. Yeah. But if you're watching it back to back with a theatrical, you would recommend. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Moving on then to our first official changing in the timeline right <laughs> this is the first official timeline timeline mm -hmm. altering uh we have decided that halloween one and two exist but three four five and six never happened that's right we are going to 1998's halloween h2o 20 years later directed by steve minor what do we think of h2o continuing after the events of halloween one and two only I actually kind of really like H2O. Um, I yeah, think that's it's, right. <laughs> it's 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 great because not only does it um, give us a whole different setting that also feels kind of like still natural and on theme, but it also brings back Jamie Lee Curtis and puts her front and center, and she can do no wrong in my opinion. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I, I I'm still am not the biggest fan of. Michael being um, Lori's sister, uh, I think it's, I mean, I, like it it didn't necessarily invent that plot contrivance, but it did. Um, I, I feel like it's a crutch more often than anything else, um, like plot wise. Uh, and so I don't know if if I'm still really fully on board with it. Uh, but then again, you know, it's it's. I, th I think it could be worse. Um, Kevin Williamson um, worked on the story uh, for this, which I think is pretty interesting uh, considering his um, was Scream after this. No, Scream was before this. Scream so 1 he, was before this. Yeah. So I feel like... It, in fact, it, I think they... Isn't there a scene in this where Scream 2 is in the background? I think I they're watching I, I don't Scream remember 2. that, but but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm like 99% sure that's a thing. Yeah. Um, which breaks the timeline, which breaks both timelines in so many ways. Um, but uh, yeah, I I do think it's interesting the influence that um, that new uh, run of like more meta horror movies, um, the influence that that had on the horror franchises that it was itself inspired by back in the day. And I think this is one of the um, this is one of the earliest examples um, of that. It's not necessarily meta. Um, but it does feel more self-aware, I think, than the other Halloween movies um, up to this point. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. Um, I like the um, 
uh, uh, Janet Lee has a cameo yes. uh, here, which I think is amazing. Uh, love seeing Jimmy Lee acting Our with her psycho mom. Psycho queen. Yeah. Um, and uh, we get a we get a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well, continuing the trend of uh, of having. Um, young versions of uh of, of of some of our favorite modern actors here um uh, i also love ll cool j um yes he's not necessarily an actor but he's also not bad at acting um which which i think is uh is interesting and i'm, I'm going to have a different opinion when buster ryan shows up in the sequel um but uh <laughs> anyway so i did i did really really like uh h2o just Googling it, uh, you're right, Heath. It does pop up in the background, which is fun since Halloween pops up in the background of Scream. So, Scream. yep, full circle. Full I also circle love this respect. movie. Yeah, yes, I also love this movie. I think it's a blast. I love the '90s horror, you know, v- vibes of Scream. And uh, some people maybe criticize that this is Halloween trying to do Scream, but hey, I like Scream, so I like <laughs> this movie. And I really like Jamie Lee Curtis. I love the ending. I think it's I think it's fun. And uh, really, this should have been kind of the definitive ending, you know, for the Michael Myers character you know just based on the way this ends of course we'll get to the next one when it comes but uh, i like the the climax of this movie quite a bit i think it's really exciting yeah i actually really like this movie um i'm not sure it's an incredible quality of film but i really enjoy watching it uh maybe this is because we are getting more into 90s aesthetics and i'm a sucker for like 90s goofiness and campiness it's such my vibe and these are a lot of small bit characters that I can recommend recognize, you know, from LL Cool J to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jody Lynn O'Keefe is here uh, before she was dating Matthew Lillard. And she's all that, which is funny because Matthew Lillard also in Scream. <laughs> um, uh, there's also one that I love is Adam Hayne Bird, who was young Alan parish in jumanji the original jumanji is in this before he like walks off into the sunset and stops acting entirely um and of course michelle williams josh hartnett like fun to the that's the best way i can describe this movie this movie is fun and i think a lot of it works because not only do we have these kind of fun character actors that are doing some fun things but the movie also takes its time to develop. Like the first act is not just Michael willy nilly going around swinging a, a knife and killing people. That doesn't come till much later. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's not even in this movie until like the last 20 minutes, really, you know, like 20, 30 minutes. This is largely a story about how Laurie Strode still lives in fear and it's kind of overtaken her life and she has to face her fears because otherwise you have nothing else to live for if you're constantly living in fear. There's some good thematic work going here. There's actually some decent acting where Lori wants to move on with her life and have a relationship, but she can't allow herself to do that because she's constantly on edge. Uh, There's just a lot that I enjoy. I do agree that the ending of this movie is incredibly definitive. It's later retconned, but this would have been a good place, in my opinion, for the story to end. Um, and although it's become very popular with reboot sequels in recent years to have, you know, the final girl come back decades later and become a badass, as they will do with Jamie Lee herself in a later Halloween movie. And this one, she is not a badass. You know, she is traumatized still. The, this has been impacting her for decades. 
She's never gotten over the events of that one night in Halloween one and two in 1978. And I, 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 I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting look at things. Um, Again, if you're a Michael purist, though, and you want to see him slashing people up, this is not going to be the most enjoyable movie. Like I said, he's really only there the last 20 or so minutes actually killing people. Uh, it doesn't have the the vibe of a Carpenter, you know, Halloween. It's not going to feel like Halloween 1 and 2, even though it is a direct sequel to those movies. It's going to feel entirely different. So there will be things that maybe purists don't enjoy, but I, I actually find this one to be a lot of fun. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a fan of short run times. This is a, this is a solid 86 minutes. You are <laughs> in and out. It's like, Oh, it's popcorn. It's great. So are we all on board to, do we recommend H2O then? It sounds like. Yeah. Yep. All right. Recommending and moving on to a beloved classic. Coming out just four years later in 2002 at the height, not exactly the height, but getting towards the height of early internet stardom, webcams, and reality TV, we have Halloween Resurrection. Halloween Resurrection was directed by Rick Rosenthal, stars our beloved Busta Rhymes, <laughs> and Tyra Banks is in this too, I think. I guess so. And a lot of others. Uh, what do we think about Halloween Resurrection? <laughs> Foster, you t you take this one first. I gotta I gotta figure out how to be nice about this. I mean, I it's a nice. masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, we're all thinking it. I mean, uh, I so this is my least favorite of the of the whole series. I, which that being said, I think there's a way in which you can watch this and have fun. Like if you're with a crowd of people or you're with friends or something like that, and you're kind of making fun of it. I think there's like a lot of, you know, comedic value. If I was here, watching but... this with friends and having some beers, I think I would have a blast. But outside yeah. of that scenario, this movie is atrocious. This is just not great from the start. It's it's like, this is what it is, is it's not just like a badly made movie. It's insulting. If you like the previous yes. movies because of what it does to the Laurie Strode character at the beginning, how... What it does to retcon the H2O <laughs> and what it does to Laurie is a, is just unforgivable. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the idea, what did they say? That they killed the, she killed the wrong person yeah. or something? Yeah, she yeah. put, she put him, he put a mask on a, on a different body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whoops. <laughs> who, who was still apparently trying to kill her? Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> And then she gets killed, of course, because of course. she didn't want to be in it. But like, I'm, she's I mean, dead just, within like the first 10 minutes of this movie, right? It's, yeah, it's so dumb. And then the rest of the movie is it's not I don't know. It's like the worst kind of like early 2000s artifact where you can feel its age, but in a bad way. Yep. It's not fun and charming. It's like just obnoxious, you know, like where they're trying to lean into the internet and reality TV with their like dangertainment website or whatever that they're, <laughs> that they got going on. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, man, this is so bad. I don't like this movie at all, but it's pretty ridiculous that it's kind of hard to be mad at the Busta Rhymes stuff just cause he's like, he's Busta, you know, <laughs> Mr. Rhymes himself. Um, I don't know. Someone else take it away from me. Rowan, um, tell us how much you love this movie. 
it's like the most 2000s horror movie I've ever seen. This, and there's a movie called Cry Wolf too that also feels incredibly 2000s um, in a really, really bad way. Uh, this movie shits all over the other movies um, and like just makes a mockery of what makes them great. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I I hate the retcons. I hate killing off um, Laurie Strode. I don't know if there's a single thing that I like about this movie. Um, other than the fact that it ended that original run uh, of Halloween movies because of how bad it uh, it uh, it performed. Um, so yeah, no, I have I have really nothing else to say um, about this movie. Um, no, yeah, never mind. Uh, it has Katie Sackoff in it, and I like her in The Mandalorian. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I fucking hate this movie. Uh, yeah. Foster, I completely agree that this is the worst movie in this franchise. Uh, I don't even think it's close. Um, I say that knowing that there's another movie that I really also don't like. Um, but yeah, this movie's terrible. And I know that there are some that just love the campiness of it. We have a friend of ours who's an editor at one of our websites that just absolutely adores this movie and he's wrong and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess what I could say I I enjoy is, is that yes, it has that party feel to it where like, if I'm at a party with friends and we wanted to drink some beers, and make a silly drinking game and laugh at the movie, like not with, but at the movie, then yes, you could have some fun with this. Uh, you got Thomas Ian Nichols here of Rookie of the Year and American Pie fame, Sean Patrick Thomas from Save the Last Dance and Cruel Intentions, Ryan Mirian, who did like a whole bunch of Disney Channel original movies in the eight, in the 90s and 2000s is here. Like it's got some weird character actors, again, Buster Rhymes, Tyra Banks. So like that part you can laugh at and enjoy, but this is... It's just horrible. It's 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 a horrible script full of bad dialogue, awful narrative choices. The performances are not good. Uh, there's it's littered with terrible jump scares instead of properly building tension. Screeching audio. There's awful visual effects because visual effects are in the early 2000s. Like we're at the point where people are just starting to use them more prevalently instead of practical effects. Even though we don't have to be doing that, that's just kind of the direction the industry is going. But they're not really there yet to fully utilize it. Uh, it's trying to take use of the like webcam technology, but it was like instantly dated, even like a year or two later after this movie came out, that technology and the way it's visualized in this movie is dated. And it just looks like disgusting on the screen. Now, when you watch it two decades later, let alone even in the future. Um, and yeah, it's very clear that Jamie Lee Curtis wanted nothing to do with this. She wanted out as soon as possible. I'm sure if she had it her way, she wouldn't have been been in this movie at all. Josh Hartnett is not here, her son from H2O. And yeah, the way this movie shits all over the ending of H2O and everything that that movie tried to thematically accomplish uh, really makes me despise this one. So uh, I think we're all in agreement then. We vehemently do not recommend Resurrection. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Also, just quick last Two last things. The mask looks terrible in this. Did oh, oh my god! That's why? Right. Why do they keep changing it? Why on earth <laughs> do they keep changing it? It makes no it's, fucking sense. 
Didn't it's, they add like really thick, bushy, almost Austin Powers level they're eyebrows? They're trying to make it look more more human, and it looks less human in the process. It's yeah. just so weird. And then last thing, how, did, did anybody mention that this is Rick Rosenthal who did Halloween too? Yeah, I said like, I, I, at the beginning. I said who the director was. I but, but like, I didn't did say you that mention, it was the same guy? Yeah, yeah. That's that's specifically what I'm meaning. That it, this is the same director as Halloween too, which I think is genuinely pretty good. Like I don't know how this is the same guy who made both of those yeah. movies. Um. Yeah, that's all I just wanted to say. Yeah, not recommend. Moving on. So we had our timeline. We did Halloween 1 and 2. We had a separate not taking place in the universe remotely season of the witch anthology film. We went back to the original timeline with 4, 5, and 6. We then cut the timeline with H2O continuing only after Halloween 1 and 2 where 3, 4, 5, and 6 didn't exist. The Resurrection was a sequel to that. And now we're doing just a full-on reboot because Resurrection killed any enthusiasm that audiences had for this franchise and this series. They were over it, as we are as well, because that movie was just awful. So what was Resurrection was 2002. So here we are now, four years later. No, five years later. Math is hard. Five years later, (laughs) we're doing just Halloween. For the second time, we're using the title Halloween. It will not be the last. This is a full reboot of the original film with a whole bunch of new stuff added to it as well. This directed by metal music icon and horror legend Rob (laughs) Zombie. Gentlemen, what do we think of Rob Zombie's 2007 masterwork Halloween? I need to show my hand here. Uh, The two Rob Zombie Halloweens, I've seen videos about them. I have not seen the actual movies, so I feel I'm not fully qualified to contribute to this discussion. But speaking of the bold swings I was talking about earlier, these movies seem like they are chock full, especially like the director's cuts, chock full of these bold swings. And that those alone, even if the movies are terrible, make them fascinating to me. Uh, to me. Uh, bold, bold swings is the the motto for yeah. Rob Zombie's Halloween <laughs> movies. Uh, Foster, what are, what is your take on the first Rob Zombie Halloween movie? I'm pretty conflicted about, about both of the, his Halloween movies. One positive that I'll give them both collectively is that I think um, he is making these movies in earnest. And I feel yes. like you can tell he is really trying to go for something. It doesn't he quite He has a distinct land. vision and he's trying to achieve it. Yeah, not a, both stylistically and in terms of the plot and the way yeah, he the lets that well. unfold. He Absolutely. is going for something and is not trying to imitate the original movie one bit. And I think that's that's honestly even more than you can say for something like Halloween 2018, which we'll get to that I like more. But I oh. think like Rob Zombie's take is more original. And here's the thing. These have like a cult following and a lot of people love them. Yes. I don't particularly love them. Uh, the first movie is like split into two sections. The first yep. half is like young Michael Myers and his upbringing. And I think that the concept of it is interesting, but it's just the whole idea of the character in the original movie was he is scary because he could be any of us. And we don't really know what it was that made him snap. You know, it's just like the idea of like this kid on your block, you know, just one day snaps and kills his sister, you know, and then becomes like the personification of evil. But like when you try and explain I hate it when that him, happens. <laughs> when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the worst um what when you try and like explain away his you know psychosis or whatever his his you know uh pathology 
it's it takes away any of the mystery and fear for me in in the way that like I find the dialogue between young Michael Myers and his parents incredibly cringy and yes. not in the way that it was intended. It's like super edge lord, like look at me, you know, like kind of kind of dialogue. And I find it like like this is mean to say, but like a little embarrassing almost when I'm when I'm watching that section of the movie. Uh, I think uh, Malcolm McDowell is an awesome casting choice in theory, but I don't he doesn't do much for me in this and has an absolutely ridiculous haircut. Which Malcolm is McDowell the has the Donald Pleasance role to be. Of specific. course, it's a yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's it's a perfect casting choice in theory. But then um, the second half of the movie, I like a lot more, which is a recreation of the original Halloween storyline with Laurie Strode. And I think it's a pretty cool recreation. It's like the same movie, but with like intense Rob Zombie stylization, grit, grime, gore over the top it's like pretty unpleasant but like it's pretty effective so i think i like that a little bit more overall i'm like just conflicted there's things i love and things i hate about this movie yeah the the we'll get into the second rob zombie film which i have much more solidified in stone opinions on but uh the first one i'm also kind of indifferent on i waffle back and forth you are completely right. This is a tale of two movies jammed into one. The first half of this movie is an origin of Michael Myers, a young Michael Myers. And it almost makes us, not makes us, tries to make us, I want to be clear, empathize with Michael. Like, that's the goal, right? If we're being honest, that's what they're trying to make us understand what would get Michael to this point. And he's got, you know the alcoholic asshole father and there's the the bully at school who's violent and beats him up and his sister is also an asshole and then his sister being Lori um well he has a younger Lori and then an older sister in this origin if i remember uh, but the older sister is an asshole and then uh there's a like some other friends later down the road that in the second half, like they're, you know, women that I think the movie calls them sluts. I, I don't like that term, but like this whole script reeks, reeks of a script that like a freshman in creative writing would turn into their instructor and their instructor would like fail them for relying on way too many crutches for being unoriginal and for not understanding how empathy works. Um, a lot of this ties into directly what you said, Foster, just the really horribly cringe dialogue. It just uncomfortable is the way that it makes me feel, mm -hmm. especially in the first half. The way that it tries to make me empathize with Michael, who we already know because of the, all the other movies, is an objectively horrible human being. Debatable if we would even want to call him a human being. That's how evil this person is. And it wants us to sympathize with him and make, like, make us under oh it's okay that he snapped look at all the awful things he had to go through even though he's also still like paper mache masks and hunting animals in the woods and like slaughtering them it's just it's very bizarre the tone and the choices it tries to make in the first half now i will agree with what you said he's making choices he's trying this is a very distinct vision very distinct directorial choices very distinct cinematic choices from a cinematography's perspective, the lighting, the way he's capturing scenes, the performances he's getting from people. I don't necessarily like them, but like zombie is trying, like this is what he wanted clearly because the second half of the movie is, yeah, it's just a remake of the original film. And I agree that part I liked. Um, in fact, I would say that this is the most brutal interpretation of Michael we've ever gotten. 
Like this is borderline levels of gore porn horror, like body horror that you would see later. And uh, that was big, popular actually in the, in the era because of the saw movies, uh, the original saw came out just what, what this was Oh seven. So for three years before this was, so this is saw three or four is coming out around this time that that franchise was the biggest horror franchise in the market at, at the time. Uh, so this is a very violent film. The brutality of his kills when he is going after the babysitters or the teenagers uh, on Halloween night, like the the visualizations he's trying to do. I I liked his reinterpretation of the Halloween seventy eight story. All of the origin stuff at the beginning of the film really wasn't for me. But at least overall, I come away thinking this isn't a good film. But it does enough to entertain, and there are far worse entries in the franchise than this, and it doesn't make me hate it either. <laughs> so I'm kind of indifferent to this one. Foster, would you agree? Are you indifferent to the first Halloween zombie movie? Yeah, I indifferent, not not in itself, but just like by consequence of there's stuff I like a lot, stuff I don't like a lot, so it kind of averages yeah. out. Yeah. One final thing just to say is that I think Rob Zombie really has a love for the horror genre. And if you see him in interviews, he's Very just clear. so earnest about it that like I want to champion it. But the, I've only seen his Halloween movies, no, none of the others. But um, like even just if you look at the cast list here, like I'm just I just have it open in front of me. And it's like there's so many horror legends in here. Obviously, Brad Dorif, who I love, yep. is, is in this. Uh, Daniel Harris coming back into the Halloween franchise in a new role after being in four and five. Uh, he's got uh, yeah, Ken Ferre. She's one of Laurie Strode's friends, right? Yeah, uh, you got Ken Ferre, who's like a horror legend and like Dawn of the Dead and a million other horror movies and Bill Mosley, who's in this as well. Uh, like a lot of great people and in then, small roles. And then uh, his wife, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, who is, he's largely put in almost every single movie he's ever made, but sure. by consequence, because of that, she has also become kind of a horror icon. She's been in dozen plus horror films herself. Sure. I don't know if I'd put her on the same level as, as oh, I, I'm not I putting her on the same yeah. level, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah, she's making sure. a name for herself, too. All right. So now we're moving on. That was 2007. Two years later, we get Halloween two, the second time we're using that title for a film in 2009. This one also directed by Rob Zombie, still continuing in this new timeline directly after Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween from two years earlier. Foster, what do we think of Halloween 2? Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I'm again, I'm just so mixed because there's there's a I really like the first 20 minutes of this movie, I'll just say. I find yes! it to be really tense and brutal and like it, this the first 20 minutes is exactly what I want when I hear Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's so like unrelentingly violent and intense. And Michael is like a killing machine and it is scary. And there's like a scene where um, oh, it's been too long. It might be Lori. Uh, one of the characters is just like in like a shack or something in the middle of a parking lot with a security yeah. guard or something. Whatever that scene was, I, I can't remember the scene that well, but I remember how it made me feel, which was incredibly, incredibly like squeezing my arms tight tense. I thought mm -hmm. the, the opening scenes of this movie were awesome. However, I do think that this movie is just so unrelentingly grim and gory and depressing and gross and not in a way that feels fun like Saw or no. like Evil Dead or something like that. It just feels like unpleasant. It's like I want to take a shower and it's just like 
Like uh, there's there's a joke. I distinctly remember this. There's a joke about wanting to have necrophilic rape with the victims of the first Halloween movie. Like <laughs> Zinger. There's, there's an actual <laughs> yeah. joke about. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna go oh, fuck all the dead people. Uh, I and I just. I it, even that scene that you mentioned, by the way, the opening 20 minutes, that's a dream sequence, if I remember correctly. It's not even mm. like something that actually happened. And it's just so I, I'll tip my hand. I, I hate this movie. Um, Like this isn't my least favorite in the Halloween Halloween Resurrection is, but this is my second least favorite. I I respect it for the swings it's going for. This is the one where now they're kind of starting to lean into the occult stuff very much like Halloween to the original it's trying to do that, but I don't think they call it Sondheim or Curse of Thorn. I don't remember them using those terms, but it's very leading, very much leading into some kind of weird cult or our purpose behind why Michael is what he is. And we get all these weird visions and things about like horses, <laughs> like white horses. And it just, Rob Zombie clearly has a vision again. He clearly has intent and he's earnest in that intent, as we've been saying. But that doesn't mean that this is not an inept film. Uh, I think it's lacking in any kind of gripping narrative, a narrative that makes any kind of structural sense. I think the dialogue is even worse than the first film. And I now think that with this one, Zombie is leaning into his worst tendencies of making this is gory and disgusting as possible not for the sake of the story but for the sake of gore and disgust uh the violence at the this point in the series with this entry is just a turn off for me like this is this is beyond saw like and and also separately not that it really matters this movie doesn't even play john carpenter's halloween theme like at this point it's just completely gone and all the other movies we've had it even in the first uh zombie one he had it and then this one he doesn't even use that carpenter theme and it and it i'm glad he almost didn't because it's like this movie doesn't even earn that theme song like it doesn't earn that iconic musical score um i i personally cannot recommend this film i i i don't recommend it i i don't like this one at all foster are you there with me or are you more in the indifference i'm I don't recommend it personally, but the thing is like some people love this movie and it really has yes. a following. And like, if you go on letterbox, the top three most popular reviews right now are five stars, five stars, five stars. But then the fourth most popular review is half star. <laughs> so like, if that tells you anything, it's like, well, uh, and if you I'll... look at the spread of it too, if you look at the spread of the ratings, it's all over the place. Yeah. There's a peak normally in most movies where there's a high point And then like the second highest points are on either side. And then it devolves from there. And this is, inconsistent across the board from half star all the way up to four star that mm -hmm. this has a lot of ratings uh, so i will say that i think we are in the majority most people don't like this movie but there are absolutely as you said yeah. people that love this so if you are one of the rob zombie halloween lovers uh, i am sorry that we're shitting all over something that you love uh but man it just it really doesn't work for me but i totally acknowledge that like you said, Foster, this works for a lot of people. A lot of people truly love this film. Yeah. I, I don't see it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, from my franchise Paradiso perspective, we are not recommending this one, but 
I would think we we would put the caveat, the asterisk. If you are a Rob Zombie fan, I think these are worth checking out. Would mm-hmm. we agree? Yep, not recommend, but know thyself. Yes. So now we are back to fixing the timeline once again. Uh, Rob Zombie's first Halloween was financially successful, and it got middling reviews, but a lot of people still enjoyed it. Um, but when Halloween 2 came out, uh, it was back to the drawing board. So, uh, and not even just back to the drawing board, but back to the drawing board after a long hiatus. Uh, Halloween 2 came out in 2009. It wasn't until almost a decade later in 2018 that we got Halloween. Uh, this is the third time we are using the title Halloween for the title of a film. This one is also changing the timeline where Halloween H2O took place after the original Halloween 2 from 1981. This one doesn't even keep Halloween 2. If I rem- memory serves me correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just the original Halloween exists, and that's it. Yep. Halloween 78 exists, and then we are skipping all the way to 2018's also titled Halloween. So the timeline is Halloween, Halloween. That is the timeline order of what we are in now. So Halloween 2018, this is the beginning of the David Gordon Green trilogy where he put his stamp on the franchise. What do we think of David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween? Um, So I will admit that I will be looking back on Halloween and Halloween Kills with pretty distinct rose-colored glasses. Um, this Halloween in, in 2018 came out at, at a, around the point where I was allowed to go see R-rated movies in a theater by myself. Um, and I was just super excited. I watched the first Halloween. I watched all the trailers. I was just, I, I was just giddy. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I, I really, really like, uh, this movie, uh, the first, um, of, of, of David Gordon Green's trilogy. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's great. I think, um, it's, it's just fantastic to see Jamie Lee back again. I think the new cast is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think they're, they're not necessarily a breath of fresh air, but like great new, uh, protagonists, um, I like uh, the fact that Halloween 2 uh, doesn't exist. I think just getting it, it back to basics was the right choice uh, and, and and having Michael not be Laurie's brother, but also acknowledging uh, that in the movie, like uh, I think some of Allison's friends say something along the lines of like, wasn't he her brother or something? And Allison's like, no, that was just a rumor, which I think was the right choice uh, and the right direction to go um, for uh, the franchise. It's, it's, it's just simpler. And uh, this movie's also... Um, Pretty brutal. Uh, not as brutal as the next two get, um, but it does sort of signal that this new trilogy is not really messing around, uh, and I think that that's a really good thing. Um, it just brings the franchise back to basics uh, in ways that I think it needed, especially after the shitty sequels of the '90s and 2000s. Most of the m- most of the shitty sequels in the '90s and 2000s, um, and uh, and the zombie trilogy. Uh, I think it was it was a great move to bring it back uh, to where it was uh, close the closest it could have been uh, to where it was back in the day. Just to clarify, zombie duology, not trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foster, my bad. What is your take? Uh- yeah, I like this a lot. I kind of like Rowan. I think I'm gonna be looking back on this on this whole trilogy because I'm a Halloween ends truther, as you'll find out in a couple minutes. 
uh, pretty fondly. I, I kind of like these a lot, actually. I, I didn't love it as much when I first saw this one in theaters. I think I was ever so slightly underwhelmed by it. But then after watching all of the sequels and then coming back around to Halloween 2018, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, this is like one of the best one of the best sequels. Like just the production value is so much higher. The mask looks awesome. It's like might even be my favorite mask along with the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that you were a big stickler on the masks. <laughs> I've, I, here's the deal. Anyone who's like a real hardcore horror fan, I feel is like so into the mask, just like with yeah. Jason and Michael. It's a, it's a whole thing. Um, no, I, uh, I will definitely concede that there are some masks in look that work better than others. As we alluded to when we talked about uh what was it resurrection so yeah i get that well this is the second best for those keeping score after the original (laughs) and i uh kind of really like the younger characters after having a few years distance from it i didn't like them when i first saw the movie all that much but this is what this i had like a realization when i watched it the most recent time like in the same way that we now look back on things like halloween 3 and are like oh yeah the 80s like the 80s had just perfect movies, perfect vibes. And then the way that I am now looking back at like Halloween six, which isn't a great movie, but like, I just love the nineties feel of it. Or same thing like with Mm -hmm. H2O, which I like a lot because of the nineties feel. I think 10, 20 years from now, people are going to look back on Halloween 2018 and be like, oh, the 2010s. Because like, I think David Gordon Green, even though he's not really like a horror guy to me, at least, I think he's really great at capturing like small town energy and like capturing the moment I feel. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to have a lot of legs like going forward. And I think people are going to look back on those movies and feel some sort of like 2010s, 2020s nostalgia. I know that he definitely didn't start as horror, but I think we're going to have to start considering David Gordon Green as a horror guy. I mean, yeah, he did Your Highness and Pineapple Express, but <laughs> his last four movies have been three Halloween movies and now an Exorcist movie. <laughs> so uh, I, I think uh, he has shifted genre. Um I love this movie. Um, in fact, I I would go so far as to say, um, and I just confirmed by going back to look at all my rankings and reviews of the Halloween franchise, this is the only other movie other than the original that I've given a positive score. All other films I've given either a net average or bad score. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I don't still enjoy some of them, but I think in terms of quality, I think they're like average at best. Whereas this movie, I disagree. I think this is genuinely a good film, a quality film. Uh, and man, this one just really works for me. I love the three generational tiering of this, having Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode. And now this is the time where she is the badass who has, you know, instead of where H2O, she was more traumatized. This is I'm going to exact vengeance. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to train and learn so that if it ever happens again, I am ready. But there's ramifications to that, just like there was with the the trauma from H2O and how she was more reserved and she didn't want to do anything with her life and how that made Josh Hartnett as her son feel like he didn't have a life worth living. Now we have Judy Greer, who I really like Judy Greer uh, as her daughter and then her granddaughter, uh, the Allison character, they've been traumatized because now they have lived with a vicarious fear from her, from their mom or from their grandma that they've never experienced. They, they think their mom and grandma is almost insane that the, why there's, there's no way you should be preparing for this. You don't need all these guns. You don't need all this training. You, you are fine. Uh, Of course, 
Laurie Strode ends up being right. That's the whole point of this franchise. But um, even like having Will Patton here, like as another solid, really solid actor, Will Patton, very underrated character actor mm-hmm. uh, who's been in a lot of stuff for decades. Uh, it's nice seeing him here. Uh, but I just, I love the the way that this film comes together. I really appreciate some of David Gordon Green's camera work, uh, the way he captures some of the tension. It makes it feel like an old school Halloween movie in that we are actually building tension while still having a few jump scares, which traditionally I don't like, but for whatever reason, they kind of worked here for me in this instance. Um, Rowan, as you said, there's definitely a violence to this movie that is quite intense. I, I wouldn't put it up there with the Rob Zombie stuff, but it's certainly more than we had gotten with the 80s and 90s Halloween films. Um, and that ending is awesome. <laughs> I, I I love the, the kind of final stand at this house and how it almost has a Home Alone-esque vibe because Lori's not necessarily booby-trapped, but like set up this trap scenario with the extra room in the, in the basement beneath the kitchen. I think all of that works really well. It gives Lori and her family that triumphant three generational moment of all of them coming together to, to exercise this trauma, this, this nightmare from their past while still allowing the film to have Michael look like a menacing figure that he can't be stopped. Um, so yeah, I, I really like Halloween 2018. So are we all on board then? Do we, it sounds like an easy recommend for this one. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Definitely. Fantastic. Moving on then after 2018, we waited three years. I think this was pandemic delayed. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. Uh, we got Halloween Kills again by David Gordon Green, the second in his trilogy of films. What do we think of Halloween Kills? Uh, I'm a big lover of this movie. Uh, I don't think it's particularly good, um, but I've seen it a few yep. times now, <laughs> and I think it's just ridiculous and just goofy enough um, that I've that I've definitely uh, come around on it. Uh, I liked it when I saw it. And then I thought about it for a few minutes and then I was like, wait a second, that was kind of shit. Um, and then <laughs> I uh, and then I came back to it, thought about it more. And then I watched it again and I was like, OK, this is campy and it's bad and it's fun. And that is what I think the Halloween sequels should be, because none of them are ever going to live up to the first one. I feel like that's something that they need to accept. Um, and I am I ha- I see Halloween kills as um a, like a solid follow-up uh, to the, the last movie. It's the Halloween 2 of its day. takes place the same night uh, as as the, the last one. And it's it's an escalation in the end. Like, it takes what happened in the first one, which was actually pretty contained when you really think about it, to uh, the, like, and expands it all throughout the town. Uh, and I think that it's a really interesting um, examination of mob mentality. Uh, I don't think it's very... Uh, positive in that Preach. sense, um, but it is brutal and realistic uh, uh, within this world of of, of Halloween, w- where where the legend of Michael Myers has loomed for forty years. Um, like I believe a lot of the stuff that is happening, uh, that like I believe a lot of the motivations of of these these characters, um, and I think it's it's just 
it, it, it goes in some directions that um, I wouldn't have expected. Uh, I'm going to say that a lot when it comes to the next one. Um, but but Halloween Kills uh, still, I think, like despite its faults, I still have fun with it. Uh, and so I uh, look back on it positively. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> Evil <laughs> dies tonight. Um, I think this is incredibly dumb and incredibly fun is how I feel about this movie. I, the people make all sorts of silly decisions in this, but I mean, you get Michael just chopping fools up one by one. And I mean, what more do you want out of a movie called Halloween kills? You just want to see him, you know, do his (laughs) thing. Like the scene with the firefighters is just like, I mean, it's mean spirited, but it's pretty fun. (laughs) Um, And uh, I mean, my my one thing that I don't love is how Jamie Lee Curtis is in the hospital bed for the majority of the movie, of yeah. course, because they set yeah. her character up so well in the previous yeah, one. Halloween it's Halloween, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it <laughs> is kind of a disappointment. And um, but I don't know. It's fun. I, I enjoy this one quite a bit, but I, I've, I've actually only seen it once. I haven't gone back to rewatch this one yet. Well, I. Uh... I am in the same boat as you guys. Uh, I don't know that this is a good movie. I don't think it's a good movie, actually, in terms of quality. But this movie is so fun. Uh, I think if you go into it with that mindset of this movie is here to be Halloween 2 for a new era, because Halloween 2018 was essentially Halloween. Now, it wasn't with Laurie Strode as a remake in that regard, but it was a remake sequel where it's Halloween for... The granddaughter, uh, again, I'm already forgetting her name. Allison? Allison, yeah. Yeah. So it's Allison and her friends. um, And it's doing the Halloween thing. And this is the very same night, just like half hour later. You know, not even that, really. uh, This this is a continuation of that story. And because of that, we get Laurie Strode in the hospital for half the film. and, and, And that's frustrating. And the plot doesn't really develop that much further narratively because of that and it's it really feels like the movie is stalling for time because the franchise itself is stalling for time this is a middle entry it's trying to give us that trilogy feel and the only way to do that is although the motto is evil dies tonight well evil clearly can't die tonight we know that because he has to come back in the third film so like (laughs) there are clearly (laughs) problems with this movie and its structure its place in the trilogy but I just don't care. Like this is one of those movies where even me, the narrative plot person, I'm like, I'm having so much that opening firefighter scene is the embodiment of this entire film where it's just like, Oh, okay. So now we just have a relentless killing machine and he's taking names and it's badass and it's brutal and it's a blood filled massacre. And we're like almost even dropping the horror aesthetics. This is just almost an action thriller at this point. And we're just going to let Michael go ham. We're going to give him one movie where he just goes nuts. And it's after having so many movies where, and a lot of these movies, he only kills like two or three people sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice to just let him go crazy. Like that's what we came to see at this point. The idea of an anthology is long since dead. We are on the Michael train. We come back movie after movie because we want to see Michael kill people. And we want to see people try to outrun him and get away. And then this is the one time where the director and the story is like, yep, here, Michael, here's 20 people jumping you at once at the end of this film. You have a kitchen knife and you're going to own them all. You're going to get beat up and bloodied along the way. 
but you're going to get out of this because you are the embodiment of evil. I do agree that I completely love how this also not beyond the Lori Strode of it all encapsulates uh, Halloween 2 and actually a little bit of Halloween 4 had this as well, the, the mob mentality aspect. I think that is really great. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't care for the chasing around the hospital and and all of that. And I and I can totally see where that maybe wouldn't work for you. I, it, I think it was fine. Frankly, I just also like Anthony Michael Hall, legendary 80s actor coming here and playing the Tommy Doyle character. We have Tommy back again, so that's kind of fun. Um, I, I don't know. I just I, I acknowledge that this is not a good quality film, but I have so much fun watching this one that I'm I'm at bare minimum indifferent to this, if not even recommending it. What What do you guys think? I would like to recommend it personally. Yeah, I'll recommend it too. All right. We recommend it with the, the caveat. Please know <laughs> that you're here to watch Michael kill people on this one and you're not here for the plot. <laughs> and you're going to have a damn fun time. And that brings us to our last film released one year later. Again, it probably would have been a two year. I assume they wanted 2018, 2020, and 2022 would be my guess every other year. But uh, because of the pandemic, Halloween Kills came out in 2021. So in 2022, we have Halloween Ends, the last movie in the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. And as of this recording, the most recent film we've gotten in this franchise. I don't even think I've heard rumblings of another film in production, even though this movie has a very definitive ending. We know this franchise is too popular, too famous, and makes too much damn money for them to to quit so we all know michael's coming back at some point it's just a matter of when but i don't think i've heard have you guys seen any reports or anything of them no, no. so nothing's in the works at this point uh especially with the writer strikes and everything having just recently ended so uh we'll see what the future holds but for now what do we feel about halloween ends hmm Foster, I think you should start this one off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Um, So to get it out of the way, I know that this is not a satisfying conclusion to this new trilogy. Like, I totally understand why people don't love this movie. The setup of Halloween 2018 is so strong for like a Michael versus Laurie showdown. And then Laurie being sidelined and Halloween kills makes you think, okay, but then we're going to get the finale in in a year. And then it doesn't deliver on that at all. So I get it. I get the disappointment. This for me is like a, what is it you like about movies sort of thing. And so for me, I really love vibes. I love the feeling I get from a movie. Plot means very little to me most of the time. I just want to like feel something new and feel something different. And to me, this movie gives me a feeling unlike anything I've ever experienced in a Halloween movie. Uh, I, I would say the closest comparison I can give it to is like John Carpenter's style. I actually feel like this is closer to a John Carpenter movie than just about any other movie in the franchise, of course, apart from the original, um, in the sense that his movies are all vibes. Like I just I finally watched The Fog like a couple weeks ago and I'm thinking like, what even is the plot of this movie? I don't know, but I love the feeling, you know, the atmosphere. Same kind of thing in Halloween ends. It's like neon. It's late night. It's the music. I think this is my favorite score of the whole series is in Halloween Ends. And I just love it. And I also, the the main thing that I think turns people away is the Corey character. And I think 
whether or not you like the movie just depends on can you get behind that character as your lead for this movie for me i actually find the character very interesting i thought the performance was good and i liked the direction it went is it scary no does it fulfill the laurie michael showdown not really maybe in like five minutes towards the end it does a little bit but it's not satisfying there but i love the experience I like the way it looks, like the way it feels, like the way it sounds, like the way it makes me feel. So I really enjoy this movie. I watched it like twice within the first week when it came out. (laughs) And it is in my spoilers top three of my Halloween rankings. I love this movie a lot. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it'll be fun to contend with in the rankings. Rowan, what Um, do you think? So I am not as high on this movie as Foster is. However, I don't hate it as much as I know a lot of people do. Um, I, I think, speaking of, for the last time, the bold swings, uh, this movie has a ton of them, uh, and I can respect that um, on the most basic level. Um, I do think the character of Corey is a really interesting one, and something that I definitely did not expect uh, this series to 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 tackle, uh, especially to murder a young child in the first scene. Uh, not to say yeah. that anyone in particular murdered the child but the movie uh went there um which i which i can also uh respect uh this movie's brutal as hell uh and i like and also le- like foster was saying i do appreciate that it it sort of went back to that you know like very dark uh carpenter tone um which i do appreciate plus carpenter still involved doing the music which in my opinion is one of the best parts of this movie um Yep. And um, I also really appreciate uh, that it does give the franchise a definitive end, even if they make no other movies, which, of course, they will. But um, my, I, spoilers, I guess. Michael is Michael dies at the end of this, like pretty definitively, like <laughs> oh, yeah. not. No, he's he's very gone. Yeah, like, not it's, not it's in the not in the way that that they've killed him uh, in other movies. No, he is he has been like sliced open every which way and then shoved into. A, I don't even remember what kind of machine it it's was. An industrial grinder, like, yeah, that is used uh, to like dissolve <laughs> metal. Like he is, it's it's game over. Yeah. He's done. <laughs> um, I also appreciate uh, how it concludes the uh the David Gordon Green trilogy just in terms of consistency um I do appreciate that we get a lot of characters coming back uh in 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 ways that feel natural and make sense and um yeah I so, so maybe may, maybe I like this movie more than I remember um but <laughs> at the same time don't let Foster talk you into this <laughs> it it just feels maybe a little too radical and too um not too different because I don't want to fault a movie for 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 being that. Um, but it's I think part of it might just be it's not really my thing in that it just feels to me not like like it might feel carpenter ish, but it doesn't feel Halloween to me in the ways that um, the 2018 Halloween and Halloween kills do. Um, and also, I feel relatively unsatisfied by uh, Laurie Strode's ending. It just feels too clean and very easy in a way that uh, after she was basically sidelined for um, for for kills, it just feels like they're they sort of um, put her character to the side after that in favor of 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 Allison and now Corey, which I don't hate. I like Allison, and I think Corey again. Corey's an interesting character, um, but. It does feel like it was um, ignoring uh, Laurie in a way that, as the, the as the definitive ending to the franchise, it 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 really shouldn't have. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so so maybe I didn't hate it uh, as much as I originally thought. Um, but I still don't really love it either. Yeah, I uh, I really don't like this movie <laughs> like at all. Um, and again, I. I said earlier, I like big swings and I like the big swings here. I just, these are swings and these are huge misses. And a lot of them are borderline unforgivable. Foster, this is where you and I have always differed and we will continue to differ. And I think that's what makes these conversations so fun is you are much more of a feel and vibes person. And I totally respect that. And I love, I genuinely love hearing your take every time. But for me, as more of a narrative plot person, I I can't fathom some of these decisions that they make. Um, even if they have cool intentions behind them, if it doesn't make sense from a narrative purpose, it just, it bewilders me. It befuddles me and blows my mind. And I, this movie infuriates me so much. Let me just say that I love the concept of the Corey character. I don't think this performance is good at all, mm. but I love the concept of this character. Um, so in a way I can get on board with him. What I can't get on board with him is how none of it mattered. And that's the biggest thing that pisses me off about this film is we spend virtually the entire time making the logical conclusion that Corey is the next evolution. Kind of like I thought we were doing with Jamie in Halloween four, this is a cyclical nature. This town is cursed is a, like a theme that's going through David Gordon Green's trilogy. And there will be someone else to take the mantle. Michael is just the beginning. There is more evil to come and evil cannot be stopped. That's the point. That is the narrative and thematic through line. And then at the end of the movie, the movie just decides, nah, and that Corey's going to die. And it leaves me saying, was the juice worth the squeeze, this whole film? Now, if you can get on the feelings and vibes of it like Foster, yeah, you probably really liked it. But to me, I'm like, you spent the entire movie destroying this man's life, breaking him, and taking him to the point where he would accept Michael's tutelage to try to become his own demon and his own monster to terrorize this town only to then decide no. And it just makes me scratch my head and think, what was the purpose of it all? Why waste all of our time? And really the only reason they made that decision is because they forgot the whole movie. Oh yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is right over here. The Laurie Strode character, the whole purpose, the promise that this trilogy made is we would have that confrontation and we would have a resolution to the Lori versus Michael storyline. And yes, to David Gordon Green's credit, we have a definitive resolution. Like Rowan said, it this is clear. It's over. There is a winner. There is a loser. Someone is dead and someone is not. It is done. But that wasn't the story, like at all. The story was about this character that we spent 80% of the film building up and then killing him for like virtually no purpose other than to make Lori feel a little bit sad that she's potentially losing her granddaughter. But really, again, none of it mattered anyway, because her granddaughter just is not under Corey's spell at the end because Corey's gone. So 
I am left wondering, was the juice worth the squeeze? What was the purpose of it all? What was the film trying to accomplish? And was it worth my time? And in the end, I have to say, no, it really wasn't worth my time. Now, with all that said, I totally agree that the musical score here is great. It is genuinely one of the best in the entire franchise. I think visually there are some camera decisions and choices made and some lighting decisions with how some of these scenes are captured that are genuinely interesting. From a technical perspective, I think this is a really well shot and produced film. I just resent this story, this narrative structure, and everything it's doing to deconstruct the franchise and what the franchise's purpose was and what the the promise of this trilogy was in virtually every way. It just shits all over everything that was it was trying to accomplish either in setting up a new monster or in resolving the Lori thing, it fails on both accounts. And when that's all this movie is trying to do is set up a new monster or resolve the Lori thing. And it can't do either one of those to a satisfactory degree. I'm really left wondering what the hell. So this is going to be a fun one when it comes to the rankings. Foster loves this. Rowan is meh. And I hate this movie. So, um, yeah. So, uh, do we want to come to an average of we are indifferent to this? Because I think Foster, yeah. you and I cancel each other out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll be, we'll, we can we can average out to indifferent. All right. The, I just I, one thing I just have to to say about this is I just can't escape the feeling that in like twenty years this will be kind of a cult classic in the same way that Halloween three is. I don't like, even disagree that that's a possibility. That very well could be the case. But it's just like, even in hearing you talk, I can't disagree with anything you're saying about this movie. It's a, it is a mess and it, is, it does sideline yeah. Laurie and it doesn't satisfy the promise of Halloween 2018, you know, but uh, at the same time, your reaction there reminds me so much of so many reactions to horror movies and, uh, and like cult classic movies throughout history where upon release everyone is baffled by them just like halloween 3 where they're like what even is this plot who came up with this what happened to my this is halloween 3 and you know what i mean but like now like 20 years on it's like who cares i don't care about the plot of halloween 3 i'm just enjoying the ride you know what i mean and i feel yeah. like that's where we're headed so and again i, just, that, I think that's the the, the dynamic yeah. difference between you and me is you really like three in ends and oh, sure, i don't yeah. like three like at least we're consistent okay yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and i've even said on both <laughs> on both occasions I like the idea. I yeah. just don't like the execution. I was totally down with them doing an anthology. I just don't. I think three makes horrible mistakes that kind of undercuts what it's trying to accomplish. And I think this is the same thing where I, if you want to set up Corey as the next monster, I was on board with that. I don't think that actor is that good, but like that character and like his, everything mm -hmm. he went through. Yes. But then to just decide to kill him. Yeah. What, why did we waste all that time? And then again, that completely puts a huge spotlight on, okay, so if we weren't going to do that, then why did we sideline Lori this whole time? And it just, oh my God, yeah. it, it blows my mind. And just like Rowan, what you were saying about how radical this plot is and how it might even be too crazy. That's exactly what I like about it is that it's like the, when I watch this in the theater, I'm like, what even is this? I have no idea what they're trying to do with this movie. But yep. you know what? As a fan of movies, I think you two will relate to this at least. I'm addicted to the feeling of discovering a movie that gives me a feeling that I've never felt before. Sure. Something that's like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. And for me, even if Halloween Ends doesn't actually stick the landing perfectly, I can't I can't say that I've ever felt a movie quite like it before. And it's like, 
what did people really want out of it? They probably just wanted a great showdown between Laurie and Michael, which I understand, but it's like, we kind of got that already in Halloween H2O, you know, or do you want Michael's as a killing machine? You already got that in Halloween Kills. You want him as like a stalker, creepy guy. You have that in the original. It's like everything that you could possibly want, you've had in one of the sequels already. So I just love the swing. That's all I'll say. I'll shut up about this movie, but yeah, we'll land it it indifferent because we have to. And for time so we're landing at indifferent for halloween ends and now that brings us to the moment where we have uh analyzed all the pieces of the puzzle we're going to put the picture together it is time to rank the definitive ranking the franchise parody so definitive ranking of the halloween franchise who knows how we'll feel tomorrow how we would have felt yesterday but how we feel today is what matters we're going to come together we're going to debate, argue, concur until we have a conclusive collaborative decision on the ranking of this series. So I think uh, as we do with our regular episodes, we should try to count this down. I think that's more fun. And I think collectively we all fucking hated Resurrection. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have that as dead last in my list. Me too. Where do you yep. guys have it? Yeah, it's last. All right, so Resurrection is number 13. Are we just down for that? Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Where do you guys want to go from here? Because I think there's still some more consensus. Um, I would put Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 here. What what do you guys have? Again, Rowan, I know you abstain from the zombies. but Um, I have uh, have five here. You have Halloween 5. Okay. Foster, what did you have? So this is my ranking when I watched them like a year or two ago. You might be surprised I actually did have Halloween 6 here, the the theatrical cut, but we'll maybe bump it up a little bit to account for how much I like the producer's cut. I also have Halloween 5 pretty low, um, but I'm okay with putting Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 here as well. I had Hallow- Halloween 5 is my next one. So like my last three are Resurrection, Halloween 2, Zombies, Halloween 2, and Halloween 5. Where did you have Halloween 2 relative, Zombies Halloween 2 relative to 5, Foster, since you are the you and I are the only ones that have seen the zombies? I have ha- Halloween 5, and then just above that, I have both of the Rob Zombies. Okay. So We can maybe do want to do Halloween 5 at number 12, and then Rob Zombies Halloween 2 at number 11. Throw a bone or- to the people that love zombie? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like five to me is just such a nothing movie. Whereas like at least Halloween two, even though I I probably like Halloween five more, so we could put Halloween five at eleven. But Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie's like Halloween five two is. More. Uh, I I really hate two, but I'm I'm willing to throw a bone to the zombie fanatics if you are. Sure. Okay. So then but number twelve is Halloween. But if we're Halloween doing that, five. let's be clear: we're throwing a uh, we're throwing a bone to people that are not involved in this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would, I would be more inclined to put Halloween two here. Cause this is our podcast and our ranking. Yeah. Okay. So Halloween resurrection 13, Halloween five at 12, Rob zombie, Halloween two at 11. Do we want to do Rob zombies, Halloween one at number 10? I actually have zombies, Halloween one much higher. I actually, okay. it, I, I, there are movies I hate more than Halloween such as zombies, Halloween. So, uh, but we could do uh, Halloween so six that is next up on mine. What? So ha- Halloween sorry. six is next up on mine because I haven't seen the producer's cut, and that six is next up on mine as well. But yeah. here, with that said, since I have Hall- zombies Halloween higher up, 
So zombie fans will get some love. Can we put Halloween 2, Zombies Halloween 2, below Kurt, uh, Halloween 5? I really can't stand yep. Zombies Halloween 2. Yep, that's fine. So right. at number 12? At number 12, yeah. Zombie Halloween 2. Okay. Halloween 5 at number 11? And then 5 uh, Revenge at number 11. So number 10, this is where I have the theatrical cut of six curse of myers rowan is this where you had that as well yes okay. so it really comes down to foster how much do you want to push the producer's cut love because we're um, not going to put a th theatrical cut and producer's cut if we're just we're, blending them together we're going to blend them together as to one thing how about this what's our next one what would go next uh you guys aren't going to like it but i have season of the witch next hmm. season of the i don't witch think is... that's happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, um i would have uh halloween ends next uh, no, i know i have halloween's in ends right okay. after season of the Witch. so we can put <laughs> halloween six right at number 10 <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're gonna do all right so the producer's cut unfortunately does not that's the fine. love that's of the producer's fine. cut for foster does not outweigh his love of season of the witch for halloween ends is that the conclusion we're making here this is true yes all right so six uh curse of michael myers is going to be at 10 number nine all right, we're we're back. I have season of the witch. <laughs> what do you, what do you guys have here? Season of the witch is my number four. Jesus, season of and the witch is Halloween not quite ends that at number high. three. Wow, mm -hmm. Rowan, where do you have season of the witch in the ends? Uh, ends is next uh, on the list, and season of the witch is is five for me. Where do you all have Halloween four? Halloween four is right below season of the witch. So my next couple in descending order, I have Season of the Witch, Halloween Ends, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and Halloween 4. Sorry, was Rob Zombie's Halloween on the upper or lower end of that? So 9, Season of the Witch, 8, Ends, 7, Zombie's Halloween, 6, okay. 4, Return of Michael Myers. Okay. Um, As a slight compromise, would you be willing to do Rob Zombie's Halloween at number 9? And then you can put some of the ones that I like directly above that. We'll we'll have to do that. Uh, I don't. We'll we'll come to it. All right. So we'll do zombies Halloween. Yep. At number nine. At nine. And so now at number eight. So this comes down to Rowan and I. You both can put ends there. Ends lower, but I know yep. you really love ends. Would you be? You can put cool? it at number eight. All right. I'm Ends at eight, number seven. Um, I still have season of the witch left over, and this is then getting close to where I have four return of Michael Myers. Yeah, I strongly prefer three to four. Um, Rowan, um, my feelings are not as strong as Foster's, but I do prefer <laughs> three to four as well. Okay, so Halloween would, four at, at number would seven. Would you guys maybe? be cool with doing four and then three? Mm -hmm. Yes, those out of the way, totally. Yeah. All right, so four, uh, return, and then at the sixth slot, we have Season of the Witch. Yes. Um, right. How about Halloween Kills for number five? That's exactly where I have Kills, is five. I'm okay with Kills being there. All right, now the top four. What we have left on the board is the original Halloween, the original Halloween 2, Halloween H2O and 
the 2018 Halloween. How do you guys... uh, Halloween two. Yeah, the original Halloween... Halloween two is my least favorite of those. Same with yeah. me. Cool. So Halloween two is number yes. four. Mm-hmm. Number three, what do we got? This is H2... where I would have H two O. H two O is next for me as well. Okay, um, I do like H two O. So I have H two O. Uh, like a few slots higher on my list, but it's not really like that strong. A few. For There's me. only three spots left. <laughs> what, oh, no, no, on my on my ranking, like I have H2O at in my top three, and I have Halloween 2018 like at number six. Oh, oh wow! Okay. Interesting. Okay. I would I, have... I would compromise and put 2018 here and H2O next. Where so my I have Halloween. Eight to eighteen as my number two, and H two O as my number three. Rowan, where do you have eighteen? Same and H2O? exact exact same with me. The exact same. Yes. So Rowan and I both have twenty eighteen Halloween at two and H two O at three. And Foster, where did you have those two? So here's the deal: my top five or six are pretty even, and so I keep like shuffling them around even as we were doing this today. But like my my H two O is either two or three. Halloween twenty eighteen is like five or six. So it's like a couple spaces above, but I can go either way. They're pretty close for me. Um, we can do Halloween 2018 at number two and H2O at number three. That's fine. Okay. Oh, hell yeah. I think that just because Rowan and I both had it higher. I yeah. Think that's... And that's probably the consensus. Yeah, I would agree that that's also the consensus. What do we think we're going to put for number one, guys? <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it'll I'm be struggling. a tough, tough choice. So yeah, this was a foregone conclusion. I don't think any of us saw that being any different. The, obviously, the original 78 Halloween is going to be at number one. Well, that I was guess. actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, <laughs> I anticipated yeah. you putting up a bigger fight for some of those, Foster. But I guess <laughs> at the same time, like Rowan and I had them so low that it just hurts the average. Mm-hmm. Um. Before we move on, uh, I do have a recommendation uh, to the listeners out there and to you guys as well. Um, For those who are fans of Halloween, uh, there are two books that I was recommended um, by uh, uh, Jonathan Watkins, who may or may not pop up on the show at some point. Um, Jonathan Watkins of CinemaSins fame. Yes, indeed. Uh, the first book is called Taking Shape, and it is uh, basically a, a a history of each individual movie in the Halloween franchise um, going up to, I think, Kills because the book came out before Kills. Um, but it's just a really, really fascinating, uh, like in-depth examination with with interviews with a lot of uh, people involved with the franchise. But the sequel, Taking Shape 2, is one of my favorite uh, behind-the-scenes books I've ever read of anything because it is twice the length of the first book about all of the unmade Halloween sequels, including so much supernatural bullshit, a Hellraiser, (laughs) multiple Hellraiser crossovers. It is insane. Interviews with so many people involved with all of those movies. It is wild and just so interesting. And so full recommend uh, for for both of those. I couldn't go this, this whole episode without mentioning those. No, that's a good that's a good shout out. Yeah, very cool. That is very cool. I okay, so that's gonna now sit on my like to read list for about yeah. ten years, and then eventually <laughs> I'll get to it. 
<laughs> expect like a message from me 10 years from now cool, hey remember cool. when you recommended that book <laughs> a I'm halloween waiting. hellraiser crossover now has my brain racing yeah it's say. like I there were not that that was a thing there wasn't one not two but three potential uh like <laughs> like in current like in development ideas like that were scrapped the 80s or 90s or when were they doing it uh i think like um they, it started pre-freddy versus jason and then freddy versus jason brought that like concept back a couple of times oh my god that'd yeah. be so bizarre just throw them all in one movie fuck it yeah I don't why care. not <laughs> all right so we have our list let's count it down the definitive unimpeachable halloween franchise ranking by the franchise paradiso podcast we have in 13th place halloween resurrection and 12th rob zombies halloween 2 11 Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. 10, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Producer's cut or theatrical cut blended together. Number 9, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Number 8, Halloween Ends. Number 7, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Number 6, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Number five, Halloween Kills. Number four, the original Halloween 2. Number three, Halloween H2O 20 years later. Number two, Halloween, the 2018 David Gordon Green version. And number one in our hearts for all time and always will never be struck down the original masterpiece by John Carpenter himself from 1978, Halloween. You guys, we did it. We got we there. Did it. Woo! <laughs> yes. Excitement, joy, laughter. And there was much rejoicing. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Uh, thank you, Rowan and Foster, for taking the time to be with me here again and uh, getting this first franchise retrospective taken care of. Hope you guys had fun. I know I did. Um, of course. We will be doing these more in the future. I promise they won't always go this long because we won't always be doing retrospectives of franchises that have 13 different entries <laughs> across multiple timelines, across five different decades, and so on and so forth. Um, but thank you if you hung around through the whole thing. Uh, we really appreciate it. It means the world to us. Uh, feel free to come back next week as we continue with our regular uh schedule our recording we're hopping back into our horror season of fun goodness and uh we'll have another retrospective uh before you know it it'll it'll come up in the next month or so so that'll be cool too uh but until next time thank you so much for listening we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day out of uh your drive to work your routine around the house uh if you want to like and review us on apple podcasts on spotify we'd appreciate that as well or if you wanted to share this with a friend if you liked it and you think uh you have a friend that would enjoy some of our movie takes uh we'd appreciate that too but uh have a great day and uh we'll see you later bye bye bye